0: and welcome to the first episode of what I guess we're calling The Pod uh, until we get a better name for it. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Ethan Warren, and with me today I have Kellen Cupid. Um, Kellen is a rising senior at NYU. He's been on NYU's uh, A-team for all three years he's been playing. His first year they took third at uh, Northeast Regionals, second year they went to the Final Four of Nationals, and this year they won Northeast Regionals, unfortunately, COVID struck. They were not able to show their stuff at Nationals. But Kellen, how are you doing today? Hey man, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing all right, you know, as, as well as one can be with everything yeah, going on right now. For sure. <laughs> all right. Um, so I guess let's talk about how this podcast is going to run um, with everyone a little bit. I know you and I have gone through this, but just for the general public, let's let's talk about this. So Mm -hmm. um, this podcast is going to be a little bit more structured than Eighth Man podcasts were in the past. We're going to have more structured segments, um, and those segments are going to develop as the podcast develops. For today, we only really have two segments. We have a main news segment and one of our rotating segments, Pass or Play, which we'll get into later. But we'll have more and more rotating segments um, as well as main news continuing as we keep going. We're also going to try and have guests from different regions to talk about uh, different things in the community that they and we both find important. Um, So if you're interested in coming on the podcast, feel free to reach out to myself or Kellen or feel free to message the 8th Man page um, if you're interested and you've got an interesting topic. Do you have anything else to add on that, Kellen? Um,
1: I mean, you really just you hit everything pretty much. Uh, but yeah, just like you said, like, feel free to reach out to us. We don't bite, I promise. Um, mm-hmm. We'd love to hear your ideas, you know, um, no matter who you are. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kellen will make sure our stuff
0: gets gets put on being the mod one of the mods of AQD now. So <laughs> yeah, congratulations again on that. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. How, how does it feel being being an AQD mod? How does the power uh, feel?
1: um it's interesting uh it's so there's three new mods it's uh me Mm -hmm. Lindsay simpson and dana dixon and Mm -hmm. um it's it's kind of refreshing just because i think that we can give a new perspective um Mm -hmm. for a long time there's just there's been very few number of voices in the media so i'm glad that we're finally starting to expand you know where all these opinions are coming from yeah
0: yeah i definitely think aqd has been dominated by uh older voices you know mostly club players or retired players now um and i think it's definitely time to get college players way more involved in aqd and i know like we've been trying to do that for a while but i'm glad to to see new mods come in and you know new voices come in as well so extremely excited to see what you do on aqd as well yeah for um, sure. <laughs> so let's get into our main news today so uh, the first thing we're going to talk about today is COVID nineteen and its effects, generally on the USQ and MLQ season. So uh, we were talking earlier about COVID nineteen and how it's affected us. Uh, Kellen, do you want to talk about like what's been going
1: on with you with uh, I mean, since coronavirus struck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we. I was just saying, like not much really. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's it's really hard. Um, you know, not a lot of stuff is open, uh, but it's given me a lot of time to. Just, like, watch a lot of film, get to really, like, learn about all the different regions and stuff, and, um, like, a lot of scouting for the All-Campus Cup, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's just – it's really given me an opportunity to just, like, mentally hone uh, my Quidditch skills. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, what about you, man? How's it uh, affected you? Yeah. um, Well, it's awesome to hear that, like, you're
0: taking advantage of your time. Yeah, for me, I – like, in – Early March, uh, it was sort of looking like UT, which is where I go to school, graduate school, that it wasn't going to go back into session uh, after spring break. And one of my friends, he fosters dogs, and he was telling me, he's like, hey, I got these two puppies, uh, like, just yesterday that I'm fostering, like, would you be interested in adopting? And like, I've always been interested in adopting a dog. But, you know, it finally felt like a good time, since there was really nothing else, like, keeping my attention so I could focus on training this dog. And so um, in mid-March, I ended up adopting a, a little seven-week-old puppy. His name's Kobe. Gosh. He's now he's now five uh, months. Yeah, five months. he's he's adorable. Um, he was eight pounds when I got him, and he's now like 35 pounds. It's a little like Black Lab, Border Collie mix. Um, Man, so, I love dogs yeah. so much. That like melts my heart. That is so cute. <laughs> Yeah, um, he'll definitely be at tournaments and stuff in, in the fall if we uh, we have them, which I guess brings us to the topic. So um, there's been a lot of talk about what USQ and MLQ should do in the fall. MLQ obviously canceled their summer season. Um, instead, of implementing uh, MLQ Virtual, which we may or may not, may not talk about later. But what do you think these leagues should do in the fall? Like, what do you think the best solution would be do you think we uh, barring the fact that like we might just not have quidditch in the fall at all which if things continue this way we definitely won't but what do you think would be the best course of action for both of these leagues to sort of thrive in
1: this year-long cycle personally it's it's i i'm like itching to get back to quidditch of course Mm -hmm. you know i haven't been able to play since last december since i went abroad this past spring Mm -hmm. so I personally really want Quidditch to get back as soon as possible. Um, that being said, it's really hard to say that it should come back because you know a lot of schools are going to be affected, and um, I know that like funding and and planning out for trips and all that kind of things really um, goes into work and effect in the fall. So um, when we, if we don't even have schools opening in the fall, I just don't see how we could have a season um, happen in the fall. Mm-hmm. Which is why I really like how when USQ announced their update, uh, I think it was last week saying that uh, regionals are going to be um, voluntary this year mm-hmm. and how the national is going to be an open tournament mm-hmm. um, in the spring if you know we have it. I really like that idea a lot. Um, just because it's just everything is just so um, up in the air and, and inconsistent right now. It, it's better to leave as much room as possible for, you know any room of error for that to occur so yeah yeah i'm really liking what usq is doing
0: yeah that's a really good point
1: um with the with the open regionals and or with the uh,
0: like voluntary regionals and open nationals um i guess one concern that i have is that usq might just say you know we're going to start those season in the fall and whoever can join can join right and then like if you can't then like join us in the spring uh if things get better right And while I think that's good in theory and that gets people like back into the sport. I think that's like not necessarily the most fair thing, Um, you know, because some regions are hit harder than others when it comes to coronavirus. And I think that might not be like a, the smartest thing and be the most fair thing for like certain schools to not be able to play in the fall versus other schools to be able to play in the fall. Right. Because, of just cohesion so i think
1: yeah
0: teams that are able to play in the fall will obviously look better and be more solid and more cohesive than teams that can only play in the spring and so when we get to nationals right if you only start playing in january you really only have like two or three months to get your stuff together before um really only two months to get your stuff together um before the season's over right and that's like you yeah. not that much time i know we're both in the Northeast, so we're kind of used to, you know, regionals happening in October and having like very little time to, to get everything together. And I don't know, personally, I just don't think it's the most feasible thing to have USQ start in the fall.
1: Yeah, it's just really hard. Um, and like, especially with, I like, and there was a post in AQD recently just talking about um, like the, I was, I, Offered a question about like region bias Mm -hmm. and one of the the things that was said is that teams change so much in the span of just month to month Mm -hmm. or you know a couple of months right Mm -hmm. Um, there's I think Curtis Taylor from Creighton was talking about how that Creighton team alone was a completely different team from the regionals than it was the HBI tournament Mm -hmm. right and that was the span of just a couple of weeks I believe Mm -hmm. so like you said you just made an excellent point it's it's so hard for teams to, um, because teams are completely different in the fall than they are in the spring, mm-hmm. um, and that's like almost every single team every single year. So, yeah, i guess, so you're one hundred percent right. Yeah, speaking from
0: experience, like my Rochester team last year, um, you know, we run regionals, but then uh, we, like, we had a lot of people who just didn't want to come back in in the spring from lack of motivation, and so um, or just time issues, they just didn't want to come back, and so we were like a much worse team in the spring and. Uh, when we got to nationals, that showed, you know. And so you're right, teams can just change a ton. One thing that I've seen floated around is this idea of having club in the fall and college in the spring, right, where you have, like, club players and, like, club nationals in
1: the fall and then solely focus on college in the spring. What do you think about that? I mean, I, like, I don't know for sure if that's that much of a better option than what we have going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just because if our main concern is, like, safety and all that, why would we want to put club b- players at risk? Like, are they – are we saying that just, like, college players are just more susceptible to the virus? Like, I don't uh, – like, I, mean, I it, just don't think that the... – Oh, the Sorry to interrupt you. I think,
0: like, the idea is, yeah, being on a college campus makes you more susceptible, but you're also at the whim of your college sports – your club sports department, right? So gotcha. some people just, like, won't be able – to go play, like, no matter if they want to, right? Whereas with club, it's sort of up to you if you want to take the risk and go play. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I, I don't hate the idea um, by any means. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think the faster we can get back to Quidditch, the better, and uh, if it comes in that form, you know, by all means, I'm I'm all for it. Um, I, I just think there are other, you know, better options or, like, suggestions. For example, like, this idea of maybe potentially having like MLQ in the fall or um, something like that. And then having like USQ in the spring, just because it's just, it's hard for me to just really get on, get on board with um, splitting the season of uh, USQ, you know, so separately. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think also like we, if we did club fall, college, spring, we'd have to put something into place. Like you can't play in both, um seasons right um because there's a lot of club players who are you know at graduate school or like working for universities who would do that just for the chance to play in both uh semesters and then um like if if we do club fall college spring no matter what players would only be playing one semester and so I don't think we'd be maximizing the amount of
1: time players can can play either yeah which is I will say this though um doing club in the fall and then college in spring I think that would help in terms of getting or growing the presence of non-playing coaches for college mm-hmm. teams. Um, just So I, I just know personally, like NYU hasn't really had a true non-playing coach in a while. Mm-hmm. That's probably like most teams across the country, right? So if we have, you know, club players who finish a season by Christmas time, um, then you might see more and more who are willing to um not really dedicate too much time to traveling to their own team's practices but maybe help out their local colleges you know so Mm -hmm. that might be a positive yeah no I definitely agree on that
0: yeah so I guess we'll see what uh what they do with that but yeah you brought up the idea of MLQ fall and USQ spring so tell me about that what are your thoughts on, on that
1: I, I mean, this is also something that is probably logistically like a nightmare yeah. to try to figure out as well, um, especially because since MLQ is um, semi-pro, it'll be kind of hard to get um, college players to participate if their schools put restrictions on them or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I just think that um, I, I just love the opportunity to learn from players have just been playing the game for years and years and years. My summer that I got to practice with Titans last year was absolutely phenomenal in terms of my, like, personal development as a player. Um, So I just think that, like, that MOQ experience is such a crucial experience um, for just, like, player growth and also just, like, having fun and playing good quality Quidditch. Mm -hmm. And I I would love to see us, like, have some sort of uh, season this year just because the summer is... It's not looking so bright for having a summer season anymore. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think? Um, yeah, so I definitely think MLQ contributes a lot to player
0: development, um, especially college players, right? Mm-hmm. You're A, playing with club players, but B, you're also just playing with different people, right? And you're always going to learn something new when you're going to play with a different group of people. So I think MLQ is really important for collegiate development. Mm-hmm. I think MLQ Fall, USQ Spring would be a good idea if mlq expands a little bit and has maybe b teams for the mlq teams um i don't know how feasible that would be if like practice squads could play against each other in actual uh games so if that's the case i think that would be really good because i think then you get a larger group of of players involved and you'd get a lot more college players involved um so i think that could potentially be a really good avenue for player development if MLQ decides to go that route and USQ decides to go that route. But again, that would be up to USQ if they decide not to have the season in the fall.
1: Yeah, um, I really like, yeah, that sounds like a really, really good idea. Um, Just like this B team kind of like practice squad team idea. Um, My one issue or like worry about that is that there are still teams out there, MLQ teams that struggle to even roster their main roster, you know, like I was listening to, I think, Matt Dwyer's Home at Home podcast, Mm -hmm. and um, there was one podcast where he was talking about how, it might be the Indianapolis team. I feel bad because I can't remember exactly, but um, there is one Great Lakes uh, MLQ team that was, like, really sort of struggling with um, just getting their numbers up because a lot of times when people graduate from college, they don't stay in that direct region, right? So it's easy to say, like, Oh, like a a B team would be really great to have in like a New York or a Boston or in Austin, mm-hmm. but it, it it gets a little the the waters get a little murkier once you start to get to the Midwest or you know lesser populated regions, right? Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, like I know, uh, Kansas City struggled with with getting players to tournaments before. Detroit has struggled definitely before too. And um, you know, yeah. with teams like that, a B team might not be as feasible. There's also the idea that um, there are regions that don't have access to MLQ, right? And particularly the West and the South don't have access to MLQ. And so if there are collegiate players playing uh, MLQ at all the other regions,
1: it sort of puts them at a disadvantage as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think not even does it put them at a disadvantage school-wise, but just notoriety-wise as well. Like, there are some fantastic names in the West right now that I could list off, but most people might not even know who they are Mm -hmm. uh, given the, or if it wasn't for like the all campus draft or something like that, Mm -hmm. just because there's not enough coverage out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think MLQ does a great job for player development, but also just for like getting names out there as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Do you want to move on to our next topic now? Yeah, sure. All
0: right. So, Now we're gonna talk about um, Black Lives Matter movement and Quidditch as a whole. So there've been a lot of criticism uh, levied against Quidditch as a whole, but USQ and MOQ in particular for their lack of action in diversity and promoting inclusivity in Quidditch. So I don't know if you wanna take the lead on this and talk about these things, like what USQ should be doing better, what MOQ should be doing better, and like what actions that they've taken um, and what they should need to take in the future, if that makes sense. Do you want to take a look? Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, I got you. So something that like has always kind of like bothered me a bit is just the fact that this is a sport that has done a lot just in terms of inclusivity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, gender inclusivity. Uh, they do a great job um, with pride inclusivity as well, you know, with the LGBTQ plus community. But I, I think they've always kind of fallen short on, on race. Mm -hmm. Um, And in particular, just like acknowledging the fact that there is a race problem. Mm -hmm. Like this is something that I've kind of wanted to speak out for a while, but it's always hard to say something when they're doing so much for other groups. You don't want to kind of like take away the spotlight from other groups, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's like, Hey, what about us? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of nice that, well, it's unfortunate that, Like, everything that is going on is going on in America right now. But it is fortunate in the fact that it's helping bring to light some things that people may not always be comfortable um, coming out and saying. And, like, you have people like Tyler Walker, for example, who um, have really been helpful in kind of just, like, making it known or like growing this awareness that there is an issue that we need to address right and um, USQ did a really really good job um, and MOQ too in making their like statements saying that you know they recognize there's been a blind spot towards racial inclusivity and um, they're you know working on making a difference and all that and it's great you know I'm, I'm very appreciative of what they're doing they've uh created diversity uh committees and they're making the census and and they're doing these things right but it it just a lot of it feels like very surface level right now Mm -hmm. and and i understand that it just it takes you know time to kind of try to figure out what this next step is going to be but um it's just hard to really trust that anything is going to get done until some real real action is uh being taken yeah um that being said I, i'm sorry i didn't mean to no, you off right. or anything but that being said it's um it's really great to see like slightly lower levels some of the changes that are happening you know you have me lindsay and dana becoming new mantra aqd you becoming the um editor-in-chief of eight man congratulations by the way oh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> um yeah just like um these smaller steps are are they're, they're good first steps but it's just i'm i'm very interested to see you know how we grow um, from this sort of awakening, you know, now we know there's a problem. How do we address it?
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So, yeah, I'm just really excited to see what USQ and MLQ do from here on out. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I think USQ's response and MLQ's response so far has been, has been all right. As, as you've said, it's just like unfortunate that it came to, to this point that, we shouldn't have really had to get to this point for them to to do all of this and i think both leagues have been really really good about uh, like gender inclusivity but not about race inclusivity um as you mentioned you know just looking through like usq's facebook page there've been like multiple posts like uh, i can't even count the amount of posts about pride month right but i don't even know if they had a post about black history month you know, I'm looking through, uh, and yeah.
1: I might be wrong about that, but it's I'm, definitely less. No, I think there was, like, a singular post, I think, like, the last day of February mm-hmm. or something like that for only by MLQ. I don't think USQ posted anything at all. Yeah,
0: yeah, I didn't think USQ would post it. I knew MLQ posted one thing, right, um, which, is like, still, it like, isn't anything, right? Like, one post is, isn't great, Yeah. Um, especially when you're going to post, like, I mean, like, 10 things about Pride Month, right? Which is very good. Like, I, like I'm like i not trying to take anything away from that. Like, I think we should be doing that. But I think we should be doing that for every, like, important, like, group of people, right? We yeah. should be doing that for Pride Month. We should be
1: doing that for Ramadan. We should be doing that for Black History Month, right? Just to add on to what you're saying, like, they're doing an incredible job um, with gender inclusivity. Like, I literally... The, the core values of USQ is posted in the rule book every year, right? Mm-hmm. And the two of the core values are to build an inclusive, safe, and respectful community and to strive to be a leader in gender inclusivity for all age groups. Mm-hmm. But there's no mention of any other type of group in whatsoever kind. It's literally only gender inclusivity, yeah. which is like, let's take a step back and evaluate what we're really trying to do here, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think USQ and MLQ both addressed that and said that they're going to change what's in those guidelines, right? But Mm -hmm. I, I agree that I think that's sort of surface level, that there aren't really any concrete changes that have been made so far. Yes, it has been early, but I think those, like early in this movement in Quidditch, but I think we definitely need some concrete changes. And one place that I'm hopeful for concrete changes is in this joint town hall that usq and moq um have put together now, i'm not going to talk about specifics in that um, i was in the first meeting but i think we're like really seeing some good conversations uh come from there and i hope that it results in some concrete change in usq and moq
1: yeah so that was like a really good point um it Yeah, it's really, really interesting to see how they're going to move forward. Um, Like you said, I think these town halls are a great step forward. Uh, I unfortunately wasn't able to make the first one, but I really want to make the next one just to, you know, get my input in and kind of see how the community feels as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just generally, I like the steps that they're taking, but there needs to be a little bit more.
0: Yeah. What would you personally like to see uh, MLQ and USQ do, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Um, I mean, I I don't have too many demands. Um, I, I haven't really been in the sport long enough to really see um, some of the things that are, are really like wrong and need to be fixed as like other people have who have been in the sport for five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but just personally, just some slight structural changes, just the way that leadership looks in almost every aspect of the sport. It's just, it, it's hard because people are less encouraged to get involved when the leaders of whatever they're doing just don't look like them Mm -hmm. um and like for example me personally i wouldn't be involved in half as much of the stuff that i am if i didn't have christian barnes as a role model, model right who is a northeast um regional coordinator like he's like just seeing him so involved doing so many things as a black man is like really showing me oh i can like do these things too and uh-huh. and not be like attacked or or hated in in any sort of way right so just i think getting more role models of color and female role model or not female role models but jenny minority already role models of color as well uh-huh. um just because inc- uh intersectionality is a real thing um and we don't talk about it enough uh-huh. uh we often separate the two when there's a whole um group of people out there who under multiple categories of oppression Mm -hmm. right so there's just a lot of issues with um just structurally that
0: i would like to see change Mm -hmm. yeah those are those are really good points yeah i'm trying to think of specifics that i would want changed. one thing i'm thinking of and this is sort of like holistic in in quidditch and like a lot of people don't see this as a race problem but i see it as that in the rule book right it's so the rule book and refing So refs are left with a lot of discretion on how to make calls, right? A lot of like how you feel this call went or like how you feel like this player's intent was, things like that. And I feel like that disproportionately affects players of color. Cause I feel like refs view players of color as aggressive whereas a white player would be viewed as passionate, right? And in that sense, I feel like players of color get cards at disproportionate amounts to white people and i think that's something that usq should look at
1: changing as well i don't know do you have any thoughts uh, on that yeah 100 yeah like i i think we could get a lot of just um I, there there are multiple different ways uh, or like different tests and and programs for like checking your biases and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i think if we like implement something like that into ref certification that would be Um, incredible I I know personally like I really 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 focus on just like checking my emotions when I'm in game just because I know that like and I mean it's not even just in games but in life in general just as a black man I have to check my emotion because I'm always going to be labeled as aggressive or you know over emotional Um, and it's hard because it's when you know the you you get your adrenaline pumping you just want to say whatever or like yell at the ref sometimes but You really just have to keep yourself in check. Um, So I I think you're 100% right because there's been a multitude of stories from uh, different members of the community who have felt as if they've been treated unfairly by Mm reps. So definitely just some type of way to acknowledge the biases that we all, you know, have and maybe making that a part of our certification would be a great step in the right direction. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Any other last thoughts on this before we move on? Not too much. Just, you know, a a lot of times people say, all right, so like, what do we do now? Like, what's the next step? Um, And I just, you know, want to emphasize that, um, you know, you you don't really have to go out of your way so much as just make sure that you're making space for others. Right. And not only making space, but actually valuing your friends and, and um, play teammates of color and, other minority teammates that you're valuing them for their value as a, as a person and as a player and not just um, because they're a minority. Right. Right. Um, And one of our campus cup group chats with all the GMs, we were talking about how um, it's kind of hard to market um, diversity when the entire team is white or the entire team is like all guys and maybe a couple of gender minorities and female players. Right. And Mm -hmm. we have to, and they were asking, like, so how do we combat this? And, and I think the way that you really can start is, well, one, it's going to take time, but just really check yourself, check your, your microaggressions, right? Like, check any biases you bring to the table. And also just, like, really value that person for the qualities that they bring. And I think that when people see that you value them for themselves and not just um, because you need to hit some kind of quota – they'll be more inclined to bring more and more people that look like them to the group. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that I've brought to my team. I've been able to reach out to more and more racial minorities and and gender minorities to come try to play just because I know that my team is very, very welcoming. Mm -hmm. Um, So just really evaluate yourself and and what you're doing to um, reach out to different um, minority groups and make your team as inclusive as possible. Yeah.
0: Those are all, like, fantastic points. Um, I think that's something that people don't really keep in mind as to, like, why they are doing inclusivity, right? If they're doing inclusivity for the right reasons, if they're trying to, to hit a quota or if they're actually, like, trying to to make these people feel welcome, right? And I think that's, that's something exactly. that people in general just need to keep in mind. One thing that I would say is I don't want this, like, movement to, like, die out in, like, the next couple of weeks, right? Because I think this movement is like doing great stuff in these next couple of weeks. And I don't want it to like die down and people to you know, forget about it and forget about like all of these promises that were made and like all of these um, things that people wanted to do, right? Because I feel like we've seen that happen a lot of times, both in Quidditch and just in life in general. So this is something that like people have to actively work on like every day, right? This is something that people have to actively work on whenever they're doing anything Quidditch related, right? Um, It's not just something, that you can work on you know one day and one week and think okay i've done my job right that's not what being a good ally is
1: yeah i couldn't have said about it better myself you you really hit the nail on the head there.
0: all right i guess with that out of the way let's move on to our rotating segment of the day so Each podcast, we are going to be doing a different rotating segment or rotating segments. Since we didn't have time for a mailbag or anything of that nature, we are just going to do one rotating segment today. Um, That rotating segment is pass or play. So in this segment, I'll read out a topic to Kellen. He tells me whether we pass on it, don't cover it, or we hit play. We talk about it for three to four minutes. So let's get started. You ready, Kellen? Yeah, I'm, all, I'm super duper ready. I'm so excited. All right. So first topic, USQ awards. Want to pass or play?
1: Uh, no, we're going to play this one. Um, <laughs> for one reason, reason. One reason only. <laughs> yeah, I just I, shout out to everyone who voted for me. Um, you're now listening to the USQ Secret of the Year for college. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, even though I deserved it. I believe so. I'm the best seeker in the country, but that's another point. Um, But, yeah, no, I thought that uh, these awards were, like, a really, really good idea, Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion. Uh, They really give just an extra motivation um, to just really take this sport more seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's going to help a lot with um, retention and, like, in sort of setting goals for – or, like, individual goals for players who might need a little bit more motivation to really take this sport seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely – agree with you on that one thing that has
0: been said is that we might need to change the voting system for for these awards Mm -hmm. um i know this was mentioned in the west region um in their facebook group i can't remember who said it exactly but um the idea was that like a lot of people are just voting for their friends right or voting for for people that they historically think are good and not really watching film at all or seeing like who's good or you know voting for who they actually think is the best player in the country right and yeah that's a potential issue that i definitely saw in the awards as well um i think it happened more so in the regional awards than it did in like the national awards i think the national awards were pretty good outside of like maybe one or two things but i think this happened in like the regional awards a lot so what do you think about this idea of the um of like having i guess a committee that would also vote on these things or you know having coaches vote as well like what do you think would be the solution for for this to like get those outliers out of here
1: yeah i definitely think we need some sort of like slight change there needs to be um maybe like a committee maybe coaches maybe in all three kind of thing mm-hmm. where you have similar to like the uh the nba all-star vote exactly yeah. with like a combination of different things mm-hmm. I think that would be a really good idea. Um, but yeah, just something to bring it um, a little more prestige, a little more seriousness. I think that would really make a difference in the awards and the kind of like the value that they bring. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree on that. Um, NBA All-Star Games, is definitely what I had in mind.
0: Um, yeah, I think that would definitely alleviate uh, some of that. But congratulations <laughs> to you and to everyone else who who won. And we'll see what USQ does next year. All right. Uh, quarantine cup. Do you want to pass or play on that?
1: Oh, quick play, quick Quick play. play. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to say really quick. I thought this was a really good idea. Um, just for like you know having like something to replace nationals, even though we couldn't really get together. (laughs) Um, but this this idea that NYU would have lost to Maryland in finals is ridiculous. And I love the fact that Maryland really thinks they would. I just I want there to be an NYU Maryland rivalry (laughs) because I just I just, I can't stand Madonna always sticking up for UMD when we're obviously the better team and I just can't wait to play them on uh, this upcoming year, uh, just to see who would have really been the champions of the quarantine. Club, All right. You know? All right. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's on. it
0: for me. Yeah. I think it was great because <laughs> exactly. my team won every game out of range. So good job. No, it definitely has nothing to do with the person in charge of Velo is also on my team. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Josh is incorruptible. Um. All right, next topic. Eighth man, collegiate draft. Do you want to pass or play on this?
1: Um, I'll play this. Uh, I think that the collegiate draft in particular was really, really great. Both drafts were great, but the collegiate draft in particular because just the way that it was able to get a lot of different college names out there who um, maybe might not have been uh, able to participate in MOQ or – maybe deserves a lot more hype than they have been receiving just because of the team they play for or the region they're Mm -hmm. in um so overall I think that the collegiate draft was just like a really really good idea also just for you know giving that giving people that quidditch fix for the summer that's been just like completely voided of quidditch for the time being yeah 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 I I definitely agree and
0: I want to second that uh idea of players on, on teams that aren't talked about much and regions that aren't talked about much. I think there were a lot of players, especially in the Midwest and Great Lakes, who I learned about, who I kind of knew who they were, but didn't know like how good they were. And like once they were drafted, I sort of tried to watch film on them. And you know I saw a lot of things that like I wouldn't have, have seen without um, this draft happening. And so I think that was great um, in getting a lot of those names out there. So you were a GM for this draft, or I guess still are since this draft is still going on um what uh did you do for like to find some of these names that people might not have heard of
1: oh man the amount of film that i've watched over the last (laughs) couple months has been absolutely ridiculous i i feel like i've watched almost every single game this year from all the different like media youtube channels and all that stuff all the southwest games usq games the eighth man games everything and it's it's been so nice because I've really been able to just not only learn, like, these individual names, but just, like, see how certain teams play, how, you know, certain people play together, mm-hmm. um, which has been really important for me. Chemistry is, is such an important thing for me. And I, um, just seeing the way that a lot of players, you know, just mesh with one another has been great. Um, but, yeah, just generally just... Looking at film, um, looking at who the commentators are gassing up is, is really helpful a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's just really cool just to learn a lot about what's going on in the Quidditch world outside of my region. You know. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um, I assume we're going to take your team over anyone else's team uh, since you drafted them. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100,000%. I'm, I'm a little partial to Senna's team. I, th- I think his team was, was really good. I've, you were my second favorite team. I think your team would be my favorite team to hang out with. But I think I think Senna's team would be my favorite team on the pitch. But yeah, let's. Uh... I mean, yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah, I got. I understand. I understand. <laughs> well, let's let's move on. Um, so pass or play on this next one: the eighth man all-time draft.
1: Um, I'm gonna pass uh, just because they just it was really easy for them. <laughs> you know, you could just pick up the, There's enough all-time players that you could just you know not really have that deep of a knowledge and not do that much research. Um, so. <laughs> It it was it was a good idea though. I love the draft. You know, it's very entertaining. But we could pass. Yeah, I think
0: one thing is like after like rounds like six or seven, I feel like it's just kind of like a giant crapshoot. Like there's a bunch of really really talented players, but it's really hard to compare players from like uh, like cups three, four, and five to like now and just strategies. Um, so it's really interesting to see people do that. And I think Hink's team is going to blow, blow everyone's out of the water but
1: I agree. I agree. Let's
0: uh let's move on.
1: So pass or play rankings issues. Um, pass. If you want to see what I said about the rankings issues, check out my post in AQD <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> if you're not in American Quidditch discussion, please join American Quidditch discussion. I don't know why you're not in it yet. If you're listening to this <laughs> podcast, please just, just go do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, pass. All right. Um,
0: Okay. Next, we've got MLQ Virtual. Do you want to pass or play on this?
1: Um, We could play. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in this uh, just because I'm kind of curious to see how this will work. I'm not, like, a huge gamer, so I'm not, like, personally going to be participating much. <laughs> but I'm really interested to see, like, how these real-life uh, rivalries are going to play out in, like, the video game world. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. One thing that people might not
0: know is you're allowed to have players. Um, So any player that has played on your team previously is allowed on like your MLQ virtual roster. So this really favors teams like Boston, New York, Austin, and it sort of like disfavors teams like San Antonio, Toronto, Ottawa, like New York teams, right? But despite Mm -hmm. those odds, San Antonio is still going to kick everyone's ass. So get ready. (laughs) <laughs> all right, man. I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. <laughs> all right. Um next uh thing. D1 versus D two. Uh the idea that was posted by uh, Manuel in AQD. You want to pass
1: or play on that? Uh again, because there's so much said about it in AQD, just we're gonna pass. Yeah, just go check out AQD. Yeah. Join the group. Yeah, both of those
0: posts, really fascinating. Uh really good discussion in them as well. I think that's all we have for today. So In conclusion, thanks for joining us uh, in this podcast. We are looking for guests, so feel free to DM myself, Kellen, directly, or DM the 8th Man Facebook page. This is one of a couple of podcasts that are going to appear on the 8th Man. You'll probably see an announcement of all those podcasts. If you haven't seen it already by the time this podcast is out, it will be coming shortly. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you later.